Oh, let's lift up our hands all across this building. Do you believe that today? A miracle can happen. Would you lift up your voice and magnify him? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. With Jesus, it can happen in this place. I love you, Jesus. Come on, let's magnify him. Let's magnify him. Jesus, we worship you. We thank you today, God. Hallelujah. Come on, that's enough. I feel faith rising in this house. Hallelujah. I feel faith rising in this house. In the name of Jesus. I praise you, God. I praise you, God. I praise you, God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise all across this building. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I feel the faith of God in this building, and I am believing that God's going to do great things as he's already started to do. I mean, if you have your Bibles, the book of Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 7, and we'd like to at this time to dismiss our Sunday school students all the way through this back room to the prayer room. Everybody say, God bless our Sunday school kids. God bless our Sunday school teachers. All of the Sunday school kids are going to go through to the prayer room today. Amen. Luke chapter 7. And beginning at verse number 1. I want to say what a great time we had on Friday night. How many enjoyed that Christmas party? Amen. It was an awesome time. Thank you to all those that helped cook and serve and set up and clean up and, and eat up. Amen. It was just a great time. And so uh, thankful for those opportunities. And if you missed out, don't miss out on New Year's Eve. We're going to be having another celebration. And uh, being in church is like being at a party at all, at all times. Amen. So you can always have food and fellowship. It's going to be a great time. You don't want to miss that. And uh, it's going to be a great great time of food and fellowship in Jesus name Luke chapter 7 and verse number 1 now when he had ended all of his sayings in the audience of the people he entered into Capernaum and a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die and when he heard of Jesus he sent unto him the elders of the Jews beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy. Everybody say worthy. He was worthy for whom he should do this, for he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy. Everybody say worthy. I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy. Everybody say worthy. To come unto thee. Or I didn't presume myself worthy to come unto thee. But, I, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man set under authority having under me soldiers, and I say unto one, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned him about, and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. They besought instantly, saying, you got to do this, Jesus, because he is worthy. And when Jesus showed up, he sent messengers just to let Jesus know, I am not worthy. And I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject. You don't have to deserve it. You don't have to deserve it. Would you set down your Bibles and would you pray with us all across this building? Hallelujah, would you lift up your voice, God, I praise you and I magnify you this afternoon. I give you glory and honor, Jesus. 
Hallelujah, Lord. I thank you, God, that whether there's worth or there's not worth, God, it doesn't matter, Jesus. And I pray today, God, that you would help me to articulate this, that it would get down into our bones, God. Amen. That it would flow into how we worship, that it would flow into how we live, that it would flow into how we praise, and it would flow into all of the areas of our life, into our marriages, and into our homes, and the way that we raise children. I pray, God, that this message would go beyond even just this day, God, and it would become part of who we are. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you don't have to deserve it. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. I have as many. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture. uh, Because in it, we are finding a couple themes. Number one, we are finding that at the end of it, Jesus says a statement he only says about one other person. That I have not found so great of faith, no, not in all of Israel. He is saying this after having performed a miracle for a Gentile. The only other time he says this is for the Syrophoenician woman that says even the dogs can eat of the crumbs. And she got her miracle. Notice how he says that he hasn't found that much faith in all of Israel. And yet he found faith inside of people that were not part of the people of God. And this was kind of a sting to all of the religious that were gathered there that day because when Jesus stated this, he was letting everyone in the crowd know, you don't even have as much faith as this Gentile. Now, to us, that may not make a whole lot of sense. It may not matter to us. But in essence, what Jesus was really telling them was, you don't even have as much faith as this drug addict. Right, He's going to the extreme of saying, you don't even have as much faith as this unbeliever. And what a sting that is. The second thing that it is dealing with, it's dealing with the subject of understanding authority and how authority works in the kingdom of God. This man had faith in the authority of Jesus. He understood authority. He said, I am a man set under authority. And therefore, I tell one servant to go and do this, and he does it. And he is telling Jesus, I believe that you are of a higher authority than even sickness. I believe that you are even of a higher authority than I am. I can command soldiers, but you command sickness. I command people, but you command the wind and the waves. I command uh, those under my authority. And just like that, he had a revelation that all things are underneath the authority of Jesus. And I think there's a great revelation there that we cannot do anything without authority. This is why the Bible tells us our remedy when we are fighting the devil It is not just to resist the devil. The Bible tells us we are to submit ourselves therefore unto God and then resist the devil and he will flee from you. The devil is not scared of people that resist him. He is scared of people that have submitted themselves underneath the authority of Jesus and then resist him. So this man understood authority. He understood that Things operate in that, but also not just to understand authority, but to understand his place in authority. He understood that I am a man under authority. I want to tell you, most people think there's power when you are in authority. But I want to tell you, there is power when you are under authority. There's a lot of people think that they have power when they are in power. But there is power when you are under power, when you understand that there is something greater than me and the the way that I operate and the way that I act by faith is not based on who I am, but the area I operate in faith is based on what I represent, the authority that I represent. This centurion understood this concept. He understood, I am representing Rome, therefore I have authority that comes from Rome does not come based on who I am, who I, who I think I am, or who I don't think I am. I have authority based on who I represent. And I just want to tell somebody here today that if we ever have power, that power not not come because we deserve that. That power didn't come based on who we are or who we 
Jesus Christ. Somebody clap your hands and give the Lord some praise. In studying this passage again, I, just even last week, I noticed themes that I had not previously seen before. Those two themes that I just told you are the ones that are most often preached. But there is this concept of worthiness being the central discussion of this encounter. When the centurion's servant fell sick, he sent the elders of the Jews to Jesus. And now notice, they did not hesitate to explain to Jesus every reason why Jesus should heal this man's servant. They need to describe the worries of the centurion after building a synagogue and being kind to Jews. Surely, this man was worthy enough for the miraculous. But the whole story and the whole premise of this story is about this biblical section of worthiness. The centurion servant was sick, and since he was a slave, he may not be worthy to ask Jesus. So the master of the house, the centurion, said, don't worry, I'll ask because you're not worthy to ask. And then when they get to Jesus, they start declaring, you need to do this. Because the word of this centurion. But when Jesus gets close to the centurion's house, he sends some, some friends ahead just to let Jesus know the whole story. He tells us, I am not even worthy for you to come into my house. Not only that, I didn't even think I was worthy enough to come to you myself. This is idea that worthiness is just
because worthiness is subjective. They perceive him worthy based on what he did for the nation, what he did for the synagogue, what he did for the people, how he made them feel, whether or not he was a good person in their eyes or a bad person in their eyes. Amen. Yet when he looked at himself, he viewed himself regardless of what he done. He views himself through the lens he lives his own life, and he sees that he is unworthy. Worthiness, you see, is all about a point of reference. The word of a million dollars to us today would be incredible. We would all love a million dollars. Amen. If you don't say amen, you may not say amen. We'd all love a million dollars. somebody in this Christmas season for a moment, Jesus is not Santa Claus. <laughs> he has not got a list checking whether you've been naughty or nice. He's not double checking it twice. And there's people they live for God like he's Santa Claus. He ain't Santa Claus. 
Jesus is real, Santa ain't. If you're a kid, forgive me. I just ruined your whole Christmas. Amen. But there are people, you live for God, and everything you do, you're trying to earn everything God does for you, and you're trying to work for it. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to bring your level of worthiness up. But I want to remind somebody, uh, there's not enough you can do to deserve what God does. And there's not enough bad you've done, uh, amen, to not deserve what God does. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, and there's some people, they think, well, just like the religious. And, and I've talked with somebody about this recently. Amen. Why is it that sometimes the miracle goes to people that don't deserve it? That's our fickle perception of work and deserving. Because we think miracles are dependent on whether or not somebody deserves it. I want to tell you, there's people today that are angry at God because they have said, I deserve a miracle after all I've done, after all I've been through. I know I'm not preaching to myself. I'm preaching a lot more than I, than are responding right now. After all I've done, after everything I've been through, uh, I deserve a miracle. And when God hasn't showed up, you get angry at God. and It makes it worse. It's like rubbing salt in the wound. Uh, when you look across at somebody that you in your own mind said, that person doesn't deserve it. Uh, that person wasn't there. That person wasn't praying. That person wasn't given. That person, after all I've done, uh, amen, I look across the aisle, I see somebody else get it. Uh, I want to tell you, worth has nothing to do with how God works. Uh, desert Deserving has nothing to do with miracles. Deserving has nothing to do. It's about faith. It's not about worth. It's about faith. It's not about desert. Oh, somebody ought to give the Lord some praise here today. Amen. Sometimes we think, man, well, I deserve it, God. Amen. I want to tell you, your worth does not have anything to do with it. And there's the other person on the other side of the fence that comes to church and won't even lift their hands because they don't think they are worthy of a miracle. There is a misconception even of salvation that I must first deserve it before I can get it. Man, that I've got to be healthy before I go to the hospital. I've got to be fit before I go to the gym. I want to tell you that's a lie from the devil, and it is plaguing our world. That's not how this works. It's not based on worth. It's not based on deserving. Amen. I want to tell you, it's not something you can deserve. It's not something you can earn. Because if truth be told, none of us deserve it. Come on, somebody. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6 and 9, as he got done talking about all these sinners and all these messed up things, he said, and such were some of us. But we are washed. We are cleansed. We are justified. Come on. I want to remind somebody there's not one person that deserves it. There's not one person that earned it. There's not one person in this building that's worthy. Oh, somebody ought to give the Lord some praise. Amen. But truth be told, none of us deserve it. And that's actually part of the problem. We think we do. And we get mad when he doesn't. And then the other person doesn't feel like they deserve it. And so they limit themselves. You notice how he came and told Jesus, don't come to my house. You know, I wonder... You know, we, we shout and we will. We'll talk about the, the good part here in a second. But let's talk about the tension for a moment. Because the tension is this, is that Jesus was going to come to his house. He was going to come into his home. And he said, no, I, I'm not worthy that you should come into my room. Furthermore, he said, I didn't even feel like I was worthy to have a conversation with you. And I wonder here today what would have happened if he would have let go of his perception of worthiness and if he'd have let go of whether or not he deserved it. Amen. I wonder today if he could have had a deeper encounter. I wonder if Jesus would have come all the way into his house. I wonder if he would have been able to get rid of his feelings of unworthiness, if he'd have been delivered of his feelings of deserving or not deserving. I wonder if there would have been more that God would have done because, amen. Amen. Jesus would have gotten closer. Jesus would have been in a closer proximity. I wonder how many miracles uh, we have forfeited because we thought we weren't worthy. I wonder how many things could have happened, uh, but because we felt unworthy, we put God at an arm's length. Uh, we said, God, you can come, but don't come this far. God, you can work, but I don't know about working in this 
area because I don't feel worthy, because I don't feel like I deserve it. I've just come to preach to somebody here today. Nowhere in your Bible does it ever say you have to earn it. Nowhere in your Bible does it ever say you have to deserve it. Don't miss your miracle because you didn't feel worthy. Don't miss your miracle because you didn't feel like you deserved it. Don't miss your miracle. Don't keep Jesus out of your house. Don't keep Jesus out of your mind. Don't keep Jesus out of your life. If there's ever been somewhere you need him, it's when you don't feel worthy. If there's ever been somewhere you need him, it's when you don't feel like you deserve it. Oh, somebody ought to give him some praise here today. limited his encounter because he didn't feel like he deserved it. And there are people today, I am preaching directly to you. Because I see you today, but I didn't see you a couple weeks ago. Why? You didn't feel like you deserved it. And it has impacted how you have lived for God. In fact, it will impact every area of your life. There are people that are currently self-sabotaging in areas of their life because they don't feel like they're worthy of love. They don't feel like they deserve it. I, I had a young man. I was his youth pastor. I, I, I was like a brother to him, a big brother to him. I, I, I worked with him, all sorts of stuff. He was come from a rough background. He had been adopted into a family in the church. And uh, this young man, he had been beaten with a crowbar, lived in a car, injected by his father with drugs. And he gets out of that. He comes into a Holy Ghost environment. God fills him with the Holy Ghost. He puts him in a home that is worth a million dollars. He's now no longer living in a car, but he's living in a mansion. And right before his 17th birthday, they're going to get him a car, and they're going to get him a a, a phone, and they're going to do all these things. Two weeks before his birthday, he runs away. And he goes back to his father, and he ends up on drugs and, and ends up in prison. I still reach out to him from time to time. And and all of that. And that that's a sad story. But I, I, I've asked him, what's the issue? Why? Why is it? And the truth is, uh, he could handle being beaten. Uh, he could handle living in a car. But there was something about feeling unworthy to be loved that he could not handle. And I've come to preach to somebody, God's got blessings with your name on it. God's got healings with your name on it. But you're saying, no, Jesus, I don't feel worthy. And he's not going to break and enter into your life. And he's not going to break into your mind and break into your marriage and break into your family. You Just because you don't feel worthy doesn't mean God's not willing. I've come to preach somebody, whether you're worthy or not, he's still willing. Whether you deserve it or not, he'll do it. Oh, somebody ought to clap your hands. Come on, let's give God some praise. Come on, somebody magnify him. Magnify him in the name of Jesus. My worth has nothing to do with this. Whether I deserve it or not has nothing to do with this. Because worth is subjective. And this is why Jesus does not depend on our worthiness for anything. Because if he did, he wouldn't do nothing. Because if we're going to be scripturally honest, we are all deserving of hell. We are all unworthy. That is our sinful condition. The wages or payment of sin is death. That's why the Bible says, but the gift of God is eternal life. It's not something you work for. I've never once worked for a gift. If you had to work for it, it's called a paycheck. I've worked for sin. And the Bible says the wages, the payment, the paycheck is Death, but the gift is something you don't earn. Come on, in the Christmas season, you're about to wrap gifts up and you're about to give them away if that's your custom, if it's not, whatever. But no, but on a birthday, you give out a gift. The truth is, you're going to give out a gift uh, not because your kids have been perfect this year, not because you've been perfect, not because you haven't fought with your spouse this year. You're not giving it based on whether or not they deserve it uh, because a gift uh, does not depend on whether or not somebody deserves it. A gift is given uh, not based on that person. It is based on the relationship uh, from the gift giver. Can I preach to somebody about the relationship of the giver, the giver of gifts? My Bible tells me that every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning. I've just come to preach to somebody. That's the beautiful thing about a gift. I didn't work for it. I couldn't earn it. There's nothing I could do to deserve it, but he gave it anyway. 
Somebody ought to give him praise. That's why it's not called the work of the Holy Ghost. That's why it's not called deserving the Holy Ghost. That's why Peter said, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I've just come to preach to somebody that doesn't think they can get the Holy Ghost. You can get it today. Why? It's a gift. It's available. It's free. Oh, somebody ought to give the Lord some praise. Come on, somebody ought to give him some praise. Thank you for the gifts. Thank you for the gifts. If Jesus depended on our worth, it would not work. Amen. Because our perception of worthiness is fickle and deceptive. It's judged by what we perceive as valuable. This is what the Bible calls wise in our own eyes. This is what we call being good in our own eyes. Jesus' currency is not worthiness. I want to just help somebody here today. You ever played Monopoly? You know, you got to use Monopoly money. You know, you can't use life money. Well, you could use real life money, but that's under the table, praise God. But you can't use one board game money for the next board game. You know, chess and checkers are on the same board, but they're two different rules. You can't play life. Well, praise God. You can't play chess the same way you play checkers and vice versa. And, and there's, there's currencies in the kingdom, and the currency of the kingdom is not worthiness. And that's like, that's like somebody trying to take one board game's money and trying to play it in the next board game and trying to take one game's rules and apply it to the next game's rules. And, and, and unfortunately, it won't get you very far, and it won't work. Amen. The currency of God's kingdom is not worthiness. Because if we perceive that the currency of God's kingdom is worthiness, then everything we do is going to go through that lens. Everything we attempt to do, everything we, we attempt to be is going to go through that lens. What will make me worthy? And the problem with that is it starts with the wrong premise that we can ever become worthy in and of ourselves. This is the basic premise of being saved by works. Amen. This is the basic premise that says, I will save me by building a tower to heaven, Babel. This is the basic premise of saying, I will save me, amen, by my own effort, by my own goodness, by my own deservedness, by my own worth, but that does not work. You can't use, you can't use life's money for monopoly. The currency of God's kingdom is not worthiness. It is faith. Everybody shout faith. If you understand it's not worthiness, it's faith, you will stop operating based on whether or not this is worthy. This is what gets people all twisted up, even in the church. I come to preach to somebody. I won't do that because it doesn't get me enough prestige and esteem. It won't make me look as worthy as somebody else. But I want to tell you, amen, it takes, it takes a lot of faith to scrub toilets. And if you understand, it's not about who has a title, who has a position, who's high up, who's low. This kingdom is not up and down. Amen, this kingdom, amen, we all be brethren. And it's not based on what we consider through our perception of worthiness. Hey, well, the pastor's worthy of love, but I'm not. That ain't true. Amen. I want to tell you, this kingdom is based on faith. And if you've got enough faith for it, there's no stopping what God can do in your life. Well, sure, God did it for them. God loves them more. They love God more. They're more worthy. No, no, no. It might just be that that person has walked in faith. It might just be that that person's stepping out in faith. Or it could be that God just gave them a gift that they didn't deserve. That and who are we to tell God he can't give gifts to people we don't like? And who are we to say that they can't get a gift? Oh, somebody, uh, because one day uh, he gave a gift to me uh, even when people didn't like me. Uh, and one day he gave me a gift uh, even when the devil tried to destroy me. One day he gave me a gift uh, even when everybody said I didn't deserve it. One day he gave me a gift even when I didn't feel worthy. And one day he gave me a I came to preach to somebody. You don't have to deserve it. It's up to him. Just have faith in him. Oh, somebody ought to give him praise. If you use the currency of worthiness and not the currency of faith, it will affect your worship. 
You know, I, the perception of worthiness affects worship. This man said, no, don't come any further. I've seen people work from a position of unworthiness. I've seen people live for God from a position of unworthiness. I've seen people pray from a position of unworthiness. I've seen people praise from a position of unworthiness. Uh, amen. And if their currency is based on their worth, it changes their demeanor. It changes how they do it. Uh, amen. You know, if it was based on worth, the woman would have never smashed the alabaster box. In fact, that's what they all said. They said if he only knew what manner of woman this was, he wouldn't even let her touch him. If that woman was thinking about her worth, she wouldn't have even come in the room, let alone break the box and begin to worship. But because she wasn't focused on her worth, she was focused on his worth. Worthiness, amen, will change your worship. And one of the best ways to change your worship is to change who you focus on as worthy. If you focus on whether you're worthy, you'll never worship. If you focus on whether you're worthy, you'll never pray. If you focus on whether you're worthy, you'll never come to church. But if you focus it right, he's worthy of my praise. You'll break a box everybody says is too expensive, and it's a waste for you to break. It I wish I had 10 people to praise with me and give God glory. It's not based on my worth. He's worthy. It's not based on what I've done. It's based on what he's done. Somebody ought to give God some praise. In fact, let's stand across the building and clap our hands under the Lord of Lords and under the King of Kings. Not because you're worthy, but because he's worthy. Not because you deserve it, but because he deserves it. Somebody lift up your hands and magnify the Lord. Come on, he's worthy. Come on. Praise has got to get you out of your own perception. Praise is going to get you out of your own perception. Amen. That's why people that don't praise, amen, they start backsliding because they got it all twisted up. It's not about whether I deserve it. It's not about whether I'm worthy. He's worthy to be praised. Can I preach to somebody, if you got drunk last night, come to the altar today. If you got high this morning, lift your hands in worship. Why? It's not based on your worthiness. Amen. I'm not condoning those behaviors. You need to repent of those behaviors. Amen. When you realize how worthy he is, it'll blind you to all that stuff. When you realize how good he is, it'll blind you to all that stuff. But, but when you come to church, don't come to church based on your deservedness or your worthiness. Come based on his worthiness come based on while we were yet sinners not worthy Christ died for us the Lord's page in somebody praise God amen your worthiness has nothing to do with God's willingness if we think I gotta save up enough worthiness for him to be willing, we missed it. You know, you can walk in and, and listen, I think some of us have forgotten how far we've come. We we get we live for God for a while and we start thinking, he ain't gonna do it for me because I haven't prayed 30 hours this week. I didn't fast 40 days this year. And we're we're working based on our worthiness. But we forget when we first walked into an apostolic church, we were strung out. And he still filled us with the Holy Ghost. He was trying to teach us a lesson all those years ago that your worthiness has nothing to do with this. You don't have to deserve this. You don't need to build up a resume to get God to move. You know, there's so many people thinking, I just got to finish my resume first. Then, then God will do it. There's some people in this building, you're on one side of the coin. I'm perfect, therefore God has to do it. And you're wondering why he hasn't done it. Because your faith is in your perfect, your perfection, not in his perfection. Your faith is in your worth, not his worth. Your faith is in your deservedness, not his. That's the challenge. It's where you put your faith. But then there's the other side. That they feel so unworthy, so unloved, they can't, they can't imagine themselves ever living for God because who could love a wretch like me? 
They're both two sides of the same coin, and they're both wrong. It's not even about us. And I hope this season that you just, you get what I'm preaching. I hope today that you recognize the gifts of God. That's why the Bible says they're without repentance. That means he doesn't, he doesn't give it to you and then take it back when you don't deserve it. You think I get up, man, a pastor always preaches because he feels worthy. My best sermons are when I don't feel worthy. I'll be honest with you, my best, my, the best I've ever preached are when I feel like that sermon was trash. No, y'all never felt like that. Nobody ever, pastor, that was excellent. No. No, I've, I've, I've gone home with my head, amen, hanging between my toes, thinking I'm just absolute trash. And my wife tells me, man, this is, that was great. Thank God for a good wife who lies to you sometimes. If you do it based on worth, you will stop doing it. Because you will eventually come to, I'm really ministering to somebody, you will come to a point where you just don't feel good enough about yourself, so you don't do it anymore. But you forget, it was not about worth, it was about the faith it takes to do it. Gideon, it's not about whether or not you feel worthy to be a soldier or whether you feel worthy enough to be called a mighty man of valor even though you've never fought a battle. It has nothing to do with how you feel in the current moment. He just wanted to know, will you step out in faith? Because your worthiness has nothing to do with God's willingness. God is willing to do things if we are willing to put our faith in Him. You base your whole walk with God on worthiness, you will stop living for God. Or you will come and give God a half hallelujah because you don't feel like he's you don't feel like you're worthy to give him full. And you know what I've heard some people say, let me just rebuke the lie of the devil for a minute. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. Well, I don't want to be a hypocrite. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but he keeps getting back up. So I would say the hypocrite is the person that stopped getting back up. And acts like they never fell. If you want to say, if you want to fall and act like you never fell, that might make you a hypocrite. But if you fall and you arise and you lift your hands and you give God praise, and although you messed up this week, it's not about my worthiness; it's about His. It'll make you come to church. It'll make you come to prayer. It'll make you go to Bible study. It'll make you open up the Word, not because you're worthy, but because He's worthy. It'll make you lift your hands, not because you've been perfect all week, but because He's been perfect all week. It'll make you lift your voice and shout, not because you've used that mouth to say the best things all week, but because God is worthy of the sacrifice of my lips. Here's the story. He had a low confidence in his own worth, but here's where it worked for him. He had a high faith in God's worth. He had a low confidence in his own worth, but he was able to get that off to the side and have confidence in God, which is ultimately what faith is, confidence in God. I wonder who's here today that's wondering whether or not they deserve it. I wonder if there's somebody here today you've been living your whole life whether or not you deserve it. Today, I want this to be a moment for you where you set that aside. I'm not saying you don't try and you don't let God make you and help you become. That's not what I'm talking about. Please understand me correctly. We still strive for the best and we still strive for excellence. We still strive to be more like Jesus. But we're not striving to be more like Jesus so that Jesus will love us. We start with the premise, He loves me, therefore I'm going to be like Him. Amen. We don't start with the premise that says I'm unworthy, so why try? We start with the premise that says He who saw me, who when I was unworthy, made me worthy of love and of blood and of mercy. I want you to lift up your hands all across this building. I've got a lot more I could preach, but I'm done right here. Come on. 
You don't have to deserve it to lift your hands. You don't have to deserve it to lift your voice. You don't have to deserve it to come to the altar. You don't have to deserve it to come to church. You don't have to deserve it to come to prayer. You don't have to deserve it to, to live for the Lord. You don't have to deserve I want to tell you that's not what this kingdom's currency is. This kingdom's currency is, did you have the faith to come to church even though you failed? Did you have the faith to pray even though you didn't feel like God was moving? Did you have the faith to open his word even though you were so busy with other things? Did you have the faith to come to the altar even though you felt like a failure? I just want to let you know it's all about faith, not about works. In fact, would you come down to this altar and lift up your hands? I can tell that I hit a nerve today. I can tell that the Holy Ghost is dealing with somebody. In fact, I would venture to say it is more than a few. I would venture to say that it is actually a higher percentage of the church than a lesser percentage of the church that has been dealing with whether or not they deserve it, uh, that has been dealing with worth. Uh, and, and I want to tell you, don't let your feeling of worthlessness uh, at times when you fail change your worship. Don't let it change uh, what you do for the Lord. Don't let it change what you're striving to become. Uh, let God give you a revelation uh, that he has called us. We are at one time were unworthy. We were not a people, but we are now the people of God. He said that we he will not be ashamed to be called our God. He looks down from heaven and he says, That's my my child. Amen. He looks down from heaven. He says, I love him. He looks down from heaven and he says, Bless him. He looks down from heaven and says, I want to pour out my spirit upon them. Come on, would you pray all across this building? Come on. I know you feel unworthy, but I'm in need, God. And I have, I have faith that whether I've been worthy of it or not, I still have a need. And I have the faith to bring you that need. And I have the faith to lift up my voice and to pray. Because of who you are, I give you glory. Because of who you are, I give you praise. Come on, that ought to be your prayer. Not because, because of who I am. Because of who you are, I will lift my voice and say, Lord, I worship you. Lord, you know where I was this week. You know what I said. You know what I did. But I'm still going to lift up my hands Lord, in faith and pray and worship you. Because of who you are, I give you glory. Because of who you are, I give you praise. Because of who Because of who you are, I give you praise. 
Ship.